This is a voice check from Chris Hadfield, 54321, and hopefully you can hear me Welcome to a very special episode of the Physics Central Podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. Today on the podcast, we're going to be talking to Commander Chris Hadfield. Hadfield is a Canadian astronaut. He has flown two missions on the U.S. space shuttle and one on the Russian Soyuz rocket. His most recent mission was between December 2012 and May 2013. During part of that mission, he was appointed commander of the International Space Station, making him the first Canadian to ever command a spaceship. Throughout his 21 years as an astronaut, Hadfield has done a lot of public outreach, mostly in the form of speaking engagements. But he recently reached a much bigger audience when he started tweeting and making YouTube videos while he was aboard the ISS. Last spring, he posted a video of himself aboard the ISS singing and playing guitar to the David Bowie song, Space Oddity. That video got over 20 million views. Hadfield is also the author of the book, The Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth, What Going to Space Taught Me About Ingenuity, Determination, and Being Prepared for Anything. In it, Hadfield shares his approach to achieving his dream of becoming an astronaut, which is actually a pretty great approach to life, whatever your dream may be. It's an inspiring read. So without further ado, let's hear from Commander Hadfield. As an astronaut and previously as a test pilot, Hadfield has found himself in some very risky, even life-threatening situations. And yet when he talks about these situations in his book, he comes off as very cool and calm. And he explained that preparedness is a big part of his approach to those scary scenarios. It's all competence-based. I think if, if someone handed me a scalpel and stuck my hands inside the chest cavity of, of someone that was having open-heart surgery and asked me to make the next five moves with the scalpel, I, I, I would be terrified because I would have no idea what I was doing. I mean, I know basic heart physiology, but I'm completely incompetent as a cardiac surgeon, and I would probably kill the person and, or at least mess things up terribly. But if someone told me, hey, we want you to do the next five cuts in this heart surgical procedure and, and you have uh, an hour to get ready or you have a week to get ready or you have a year to get ready or you have 10 years to get ready, then uh, my level of comfort would change dramatically and my confidence and my, my attitude coming into it and my focus. and. Everything in life is like that, really. How many minutes do you have to get ready? And what is it you're trying to accomplish? And then what skills do you need? And, and that's, that's just a habit pattern for dealing with life. And it works for uh, flying spaceships. And it works for, for fixing the dishwasher. I mean, it, it's, just, it's just a habit pattern for how to do things. And what I try and avoid is being helpless. And there's almost always a little bit of time to get ready for things that are happening. And if there aren't, then, then you just have to go with the things you've learned to that point and do your best with it. But, but being paralyzed, allowing yourself to be paralyzed by irrational fear is kind of a comfort because then you don't have to get ready for things. But at the same time, it's, it's uh, kind of a short-sighted way to go through life if you can possibly avoid it. So it's not every day you get to talk to an astronaut. So I had to ask Hadfield a couple of questions about life in space. And when he answers the second question, 
you get a little glimpse at that life philosophy that he talks about in his book. I am actually curious if you could uh, tell me, do you get used to the weightlessness of space? And would you choose, would you ever choose to live in a weightless environment for the rest of your life if you had the chance? Yes, you get quite smoothly adapted to weightlessness. And it's an easier existence. Uh, uh, it has some real advantages. Disadvantages is things don't stay put. But the advantages are you, you don't load up your joints. You don't have to fight gravity. You don't have to make the effort just to hold your head up and lift things. And, and, and you become quite graceful and elegant after about a month in weightlessness. You, you become very adept at it, like a, uh, an, a monkey with a tail in a tree or, or, a, or a bird landing on a waving branch. You, you become good at it. And I think uh, if, if everyone was in the same sort of environment, I would choose weightlessness over gravity. It's, it's easier and gentler and, and more liberating. Uh, you would want to redesign a lot of things. I think we would have a lot more Velcro in our lives if we all lived in a weightless environment. But uh, you know, we're, we're, we're designed and kind of condemned to living uh, on, on a surface of a planet with gravity forever. But if there was some way to constantly be weightless, it's nicer. Good to know. What do you miss most about Earth when you're in space and space when you're in Earth, on Earth? I really try and live my whole life without missing anything. I don't spend very much time um, in one place uh, wishing I was somewhere else or doing one thing while um, wishing I was doing some other thing. I, I try and pay attention to what I'm doing, actually, and think about the things that are coming up. And, and it's the things that have happened in my life, I, I view them much more as a foundation for what I'm doing now, rather than a place I would prefer to go to. So I, I, I mean, it's a very short list of things that I miss. Uh, I mean, it would be nice to have physical contact, to hug my family when I was on the space station, but that's true 99% of the time. Anyway, I'm not constantly hugging my children and my wife. You know, it's, To say that you miss it when you're in space is just you miss it all the time. When you're actually hugging someone, it's nice, but you just can't hug someone 24 hours a day. It's hard to get stuff done. So I I really don't miss uh, space when I'm down here or Earth while I'm up there. I pay attention to what's going on and try and experience it to the, the fullest of the ability that I can. While Hadfield was aboard the ISS, roughly 200 science experiments were going on. These experiments are designed by scientists all over the world. So in many cases, Hadfield and the crew of the ISS were responsible for monitoring the experiments and taking data and giving updates to the scientists on Earth. I remember just being the commander of the station one day, I was running around being like the, the, the in charge of the place. And as I floated through the station, four of the six crew members were uh, locked in working on their experiments with cameras looking over their shoulder, talking to a team of specialists on the ground who were each on sort of a speakerphone, all excited, watching what they were doing and not in mission control either. All they were in their laboratories and universities uh, all around the world. And to have that big station humming along, going around with all of those teams uh, working and focusing on the science going on board, and then the astronauts being the hands and the eyes of, of the experiments on behalf of so many people, 
it was uh, to me that was just like magic watching this capability that we've all built and the uh, the science that can come as a result of it. So it's not that I'm a scientist, but hopefully I was a useful science enabler. Occasionally, Hadfield and the crew also acted as test subjects. Did a lot of work in um, in studying changes to the human body and doing remote medical testing. Uh, using ultrasound in order to do uh, physical examinations that we've never done before, doing uh, full cardiac ultrasounds, remotely guided, looking, doing a full skeletal exam, doing an abdominal exam in great detail uh, for people that are far away from the true experts. And that was a lot of fun development and pushing the technology and the remote medicine to the limits of it. Um, I, and for me, the alpha magnetic spectrometer may be the most significant scientific experiment that the space station uh, has. The alpha magnetic spectrometer is a particle physics experiment in space. Its job is to collect all of the subatomic particles that are raining down on us from the cosmos. The data from the AMS is being used, among other things, to investigate the matter-antimatter mystery. Basically, if equal parts matter and antimatter were produced in the Big Bang, where did all the antimatter go? Why did regular matter win? That, that's an amazing experiment and a perfect place to have it on a huge, stable, continuously powered platform above the atmosphere. Finally, I asked Hadfield about why he chooses to do outreach, to engage with people on social media. What's it been like becoming a little bit of an internet celebrity? And why does he think that kind of outreach is important? Uh, I think the, uh, the great first example of, uh, of social media, of uh, reality TV, was the moon landing. Uh, we didn't know those words then. We hadn't invented the words reality TV or unscripted or whatever. But it was uh, raw human um, exploration and reaction and newness and unscripted activity and people uh, sharing their experience without fetter, without filter, with everyone around the world uh, for something that was new to all of us. And it was intoxicatingly fascinating. It it brought the whole world together to watch. And uh, that is what reality TV ought to be. It is what social media ought to be. And that is an invitation into something rare and new in the human experience that you can choose to participate in if you wish. And so that was a, a, a stunning example of how to share an experience. And I've been trying to do it ever since. And you're really only uh, limited by the technology available. If you're just showing 35 millimeter slides from a slide tray projected on a wall, then, then you can only talk to a limited audience. But with improved technology, you can now show those same 35 millimeter pictures to a million people. Or you can take a picture of the wildfires in Australia and then suddenly within minutes share it with anybody in the world in high resolution who wants to see it. And thoughts, the same thing. And uh, as, a, as an emissary on behalf of so many people, as one of the very few humans who is orbiting the world and getting to see it that way, it's an absolute obligation and a delight to, to be able to share the experience. So I've done that through my whole career, and it's just become uh, more and more widespread due to the technology that, uh, that exists. And being celebrated for that, to be a celebrity for that, it is just fine. That, to be celebrated for sharing uh, the exploration of the universe and the delight that it brings at a human level, what it means to us, 
you know, an astronaut's guide to life on Earth. What does this mean to us? That, I think, is, is all a natural follow-up. The book is just a follow-on to the thousands of talks that I've given of sharing the, uh, the rare experiences that I've had. And I think it does us all benefit. Uh, we're not up there just for the science. We're not up there just for the engineering and the vehicle design. Uh, we, are, we are exploring because it is uh, innate in our nature. We've been exploring the surface of the world since we got up on our hind legs and walked. And, and we walked around the whole planet. It took about 50,000 years. But we walked to every reach of every continent that we could get to. And we are now leaving the Earth vertically uh, on spaceships and starting to live off our planet as a species. And that, that isn't really outreach. That is uh, a natural extension of what people have always done that, that is fundamental to who we are and what we are. And, uh, and we've always used the best of our technology to take us as far as it'll, it'll go. And then we've had the opportunity to share it through the, the technology that exists. People recording pictures of it, uh, Charles Darwin with his great chronicles of, that he recorded on the Beagle and that led to some great scientific insights and so many others like that. And the space station is that same sort of thing. And, and uh, all astronauts do their best to try and share the experience. And uh, the more technology we put on board, the, the easier it is to bring so many other people along on the ride with us. Chris Hadfield, thank you so much for being on the Physics Central podcast. It's my pleasure, Colin. Nice, nice to talk with you. You have been listening to the Physics Central podcast. If you want to hear and see more from Chris Hadfield, we've rounded up a bunch of stuff at our blog, physicsbuzz.physicscentral.com. At the blog, we also have some bonus material from this interview. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. I'm Calla Cofield. Tune in next week for more of the Physics Central podcast.